This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Latney Conan always says it's her job to create a movement. And if you aren't focusing on that movement, you really are not doing your job. Latney is the chief market officer at Sixth Sense. And yes, you heard that right, market officer. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Latney details why she felt it was time to drop the ING from her title. She also discusses the importance of that subtle change and why it matters. Plus, she breaks down why it's time to throw MQLs out the window and what the deal is with demand generation. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we have special guest, Ladney, what's going on? What's going on, Ian? I like being called a special guest. That's fun. Special indeed. Well, we have a ton of things to discuss, uh, everything that's going on at Sixth Sense. Um, We're going to be talking about why you don't track MQLs. We're going to talk about your upcoming book and uh, much more. So first, how did you get into marketing? Accidentally, completely. So I am a recovering software salesperson and I was at a company called Aperio and I was in sales and I was that pain in the ass salesperson and then sales leader who was always going rogue and running marketing campaigns on my own. (laughs) Uh, So I had a lot of opinions about marketing. And then what ended up happening was we just had a void and and needed a a leader. And the original plan, honestly, was not for me to stay in the role. It was just to come in and and kind of stabilize the team and uh, keep things on track while we hired a, a proper CMO. But the rest is history. I fell in love with it. And honestly, it was... It was hard to convince the the CEO because I didn't have a marketing pedigree, but I wore him down over time. (laughs) A proper CMO. Maybe that should be a a subtitle for for the memoir. (laughs) Um, I am definitely not a proper CMO. There's (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) So flash forward to today, I'm sure a ton of our listeners know about Sixth Sense um, as you've been a, a leader in the market for quite a while. But yeah, for our listeners who don't know, share a little bit about uh, your role in the company. Sure. So Sixth Sense is an account engagement platform. And why is that relevant? Why is that important? You know, Forrester thinks, and, and so do we, that by 2025, majority of B2B companies will be adopting account-based from lead-based. And there's a number of reasons for that. Mostly that so much of the sales cycle is done anonymously uh, before prospects want to raise their hand, want to identify themselves. Also, the nature of a buying team being not one person or two people, but you know, sometimes 10 or 12 people. And so you really have to rethink your strategy going from a more lead-based approach to an account-based approach. 
And that requires a different type of te technology. And so what Sixth Sense does is we provide predictive analytics. So our heritage is in AI, big data, and predictive. So being able to shine a light on in-market opportunities before they raise their hand, maybe even before they come to your website, combine that with the ability to then take those insights and go and, and do something meaningful with them. So orchestrate really amazing differentiated experiences to engage not just a lead or a content tact, but that entire buying team. And that's across marketing and sales. So we do a lot of things uh, and that's part of what makes it amazing. But part of part of the challenge is we truly are, are a platform for marketing and sales. You recently changed your title from chief marketing officer to chief market officer. And uh, one of our, our good friends and multi-time guest, uh, Jennifer Johnson, also talks about that a lot. So it's something we've, we've actually discussed on the show before. But uh, I'm curious, why are you evangelizing for, for chief market officer? Well, so that's awesome. I, I love Jennifer. So Jennifer, uh, myself, and about 100 other CMOs were at a retreat last October. It's, it's, we at Sixth Sense have a women's empowerment network. So it's, it's really geared towards women CMOs and, um, and even beyond. So we even had CMOs that are now full-time board members and CMOs who have gone on to be CEOs. And if you look at some of the trends around CMOing, it's not great. You know, 10 years continue to shorten, you know, in B2C, companies are getting rid of the role of the CMO altogether. There's been numerous instances of that. And sometimes B2B follows B2C. And, you know, you see all these other titles propagating chief growth officer, chief digital officer, like, what does all that mean? And, and how do we how do we really like carve out a meaningful lane and what it means to be a CMO? And so this is what we were discussing. And actually the panel was called, is the role of the CMO black hole? And of course we passionately don't want it to be a black hole. So we, we said, well, what do we need to do to prioritize our time and our skills on the most important aspects of the job? And we challenged this group of a hundred of you know the best, I think the best CMOs in the country to come up with that. It was pretty inspiring. And what we found was that, and while it seems like semantics, when you add the ing to marketing, all of a sudden you start to automatically go to the tactical, right? The the blogs, the PR, the press release, the website update. And yes, these things need to get done. But ultimately, what's required and what a CEO and leadership team need, the presence that's required is someone who represents the market. And when you start to shift your thinking and, and start to think of yourself not as the chief marketing officer, but the chief market officer, all of a sudden what you prioritize and how you think about your time changes and, I, and changes for the positive. It goes towards things like category creation, which I know Jennifer is very passionate about. It goes towards things like customer insights. You know, how do I define and make sure that I can come to the table with our ICP or our IICP and help us 
as an organization refine and understand TAM, ICP, critical things like that? Uh, how do I help drive our strategy? So marry our product, marry those insights and marry where we see the category to be the, the shepherd of, of our company's strategy. And, and you know, how do I make sure I'm having the right conversations with, with customers and future customers to be able to do that? And so that is really what this movement is about, is making sure that CMOs are showing up the right way and you know, reprioritizing, because this is all work that I think we do, but how do we make that our top priority and, and how we show up and, and represent ourselves? Yeah, I love that. And I think it's a, it's a really salient point because what happens in a market and how it changes historically, the, the kind of owner of, the, of that would just be the CEO, right? I mean, you know, but perhaps think it's... About, think about all of the hats they have to wear. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, think about, you know, they're, they've got to make manage, managing investors is like a full-time job almost of the CEO. Everyone has investors, no matter what. Uh, so that's a huge role. There's a huge people aspect to being a CEO. So I, I believe that CEOs want and welcome having a voice of the market. And, it, and what's interesting is I didn't just go and change my title because I, I really thought I needed to earn it. <laughs> and, and so it took me a while to say, like, am I worthy of this title? And when I ended up switching my title was after we had finished our category design work. And I felt like, yes, I had defined where we needed to be and, and brought the organization together to really be able to rally around that. And so when we announced you know, six cents, the account engagement platform was the day that I, I ended up changing my title. But what's, what's more meaningful, I think, is it is like, I think about a board meeting, you know, you're always getting slides that other people do, or investors are giving you slides that they've seen from other people. And I started calling through them all. And I, I just made a conscious decision that my slides are always going to speak to the market. My first one or two slides are always going to be an update on the market. Not my demand unit waterfall, you know, not how conversions are trending, not all of these little details that honestly, they don't care about. They just want to know if you're red, yellow, or green, and if you're red, what your plan to fix is, is you know, in terms of the revenue model. And I think that was, that was like a significant scary shift for me to make. Like, oh my gosh, are they going to want all this detail that I think I should provide? And it's like, I think it's really changed my relationship with my peers and our board that I'm the one that gives that update. Well, yeah. I mean, and, you know, to go a little deeper on this and why I think it's an important topic to discuss on the show is that historically, if you're looking at like how companies were aligned and how that is, you know, constantly shifting, I reference all the time, uh, you know, Eric Reese talks about this in Lean Startup. It's like, are we sure that in like 1920, we just like nailed it and we're like, yeah, this is the structure of a company. And like a hundred years later, it still has like more or less all of the same functions as it did. Um, oh, yeah, seriously. Right. So we have to evolve. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And so you look at that and you look at like, I, I mean, you know, if you're to start ushering in this kind of new age of like, what, what are companies and you look at like, okay, well, if 
like internal employee experience is kind of like a function now where you have like sometimes that's the CIO and it has like CHRO and all these things. You have customer experience, which is like one part product, one part, you know, one part sales, obviously one part customer success and marketing. And then you have, you know, this idea of, of, of the market of like, you know, where things like, you know, marketing live or growth or, you know, your go-to-market strategy, all those things. But inherently, you have to understand what the market is doing and where it's going. And again, like, I really think that that is historically a function that like the CEO or the founding team, or maybe it's your head of product or whatever, have kind of the, the, the guide map of where that's going. And it's like, how great would it be if marketers took that kind of strategic leap? Because I think what you said earlier with marketing immediately goes to tactics, not strategy. And I think understanding the market is the most important thing, because if you don't understand what they're looking for, then how can you prepare any type of messaging or any type of strategy around what they actually need? And it's, you know, it's a funny side note on this. We, when we talk to a lot of leaders about, about like creating podcasts, one of the things we hear all the time from marketing leaders, and you're just like, who is, who is, what is the, your customer looking for or your prospects looking for? And they don't really know. Mm. Like, well, like what type, what types of things are they doing like every day? What does their day to day look like? What are, what are they seeking like from an information standpoint? And it's like, if you don't know those things, it's going to be a lot harder to create marketing materials because it's like kind of crap in, crap out, right? It's like you're just putting bad information into the machine and just hoping that it works. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting point. So McKinsey did a study on the best CMOs and they came up with this term called unifiers. So I don't, when I say, oh, I changed my title to the chief market officer, that doesn't mean I prance in and say, this is the, you know, the word of, of the market officer. <laughs> it's about unifying because, yeah, of course, our product team has, I mean, they're driving our product direction. So it's working with them and organizing the cab and um, looking at usage metrics and shoulder to shoulder putting these things together. It's, you know, of course the CEO has a big opinion on these things. Of course, sales has a big opinion, but it's really that capability to zoom out and bring all of those things together and help people get to the right answers as a team. So I think that's an important point, you know, just because you call yourself something doesn't necessarily mean you are. And I've always, I mean, I don't know, this might sound a little sneaky, but I have been successful getting the things that I want to happen to happen by having people think it was their idea. <laughs> sure. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So, you know, that's the, that's the Jedi mind trick is, Hey, this is not my take. This was your take and your take. And what is, what's the saying? Success has many fathers and failures and orphan. Yeah, that's right. But, but there are, but, but to the point, there are things that you can go and do as a CMO to bring, to bring data and insights and a point of view to that unifying conversation. So do you own competitive intelligence, for example? Yep. Great point. You know, do you own, I just talked about cab, you know, how closely are you working with, with customers? What type, you know, are, what type of data and insights are you getting? 
of course I look, you know, I look at our own software all the time. Like what's going on with our TAM? What's going on with our ICP? What new keywords are bubbling up in our ICP? That's meaningful. I don't need to guess what our customers care about. I can look right there in the data and the insights and see, oh gosh, um, you mentioned the, the chat company. Chatbots have, have bubbled up in the last quarter. That's interesting. Now that's something we got to think about. We got to think about our partner ecosystem around that. So those are the type of things where it's not just my opinion. Hey, I think chatbots are really cool. It's this is our ICP and these are the topics they care about the most. Yeah. That's a different conversation. And then it's why, I wonder why. And getting to your point of, you know, uh, another great article I just saw posted is, you know, this jobs to be done approach. Like what sure. do our, what do our people have to do? Forget about, you know, what they call themselves or whatever, but what jobs do they have to get done and how does what we do enable them to do that better? Yeah, no, we, we reference, uh, Clayton Christensen's work a ton on the show because of that. And I think it's a key part of, of marketing, um, to figure that out. And especially, and he didn't do a ton of work on B2B. And I think it's, you know, for B2B, it's, it's when you're talking about a 12 person buying group and, and this is a nice segue into account engagement. Um, and like what that really means, like, what does it mean for each of the people in that account? to be engaged. And if you have um, many B2B companies, enterprise B2B companies, the CFO is a stakeholder, right? But so what does it mean to, engau- to engage that particular person? And, and so, and I want to, I want to get into, you have a book that's coming out. I love the title. I have not read it at all. I'll, I'll need to, I'll need to read ahead at some point, but no forms, no spam, no cold calls the next generation of account engagement. Uh, I can tell you you're speaking directly to me with uh, the title because I am all in on no more forms, no more spam and no more cold calling. It's like a tenet of what I believe in mark is like wrong with like spammy sales and marketing is like having those three things that makes absolutely no sense. So I'm curious, like why'd you write the book and and what's the, uh, what's the pitch here? Yeah, sure. So We talked about the market and owning the market um, and being the chief market officer. And, you know, the outcomes of that and the things that you go and drive are brand growth and I believe experience. And what happened to me was I, I came from a company that only focused on experience. That was what we, we provided is we would look at people's customer experience and then we would look at their employee experience. And our belief was the two are linked. And we would, you know, journey map and uh, help them really reimagine and connect those two experiences and use technology to upgrade and improve them. And so in my core, I believe in the body of work that I did for almost a decade at Aperio. So I come to Sixth Sense and I'm thrown into MarTech land. And in MarTech land, you know, you've got the 7,000 different tools and each one does some different little thing. This is a flyby on your website. And, you know, this is going to help you as soon as people get to your website, talk to them. And this is going to do this and this is going to do that. And, and I literally, if you had like, Ian, if you had said, Latney, you need to name 10 tools on the 7,000 chart. I couldn't do it to save my life. 
And I was like, what am I doing? I'm so over my skis. Like, I, I don't know this industry as well. I thought this would be a piece of cake. I am a CMO for God's sakes, you know? And so I got a little discouraged and felt really inferior. And my husband said, babes, you got to play to your strengths. So I said, okay, well, I don't have any strength. I'm crying. I don't have any strengths. What are my strengths? <laughs> um, but I realized, well, I've, I've spent almost a, a decade on this customer employee experience thing. I kind of got that. Let me apply that to MarTech. And when I did that, I had this aha that's like, holy shit, we have designed everything we do and all of our technology to literally treat customers like dirt. This is so dumb. If I, if I, I want to do my research, if I, you talked about the CFO and a buying decision, if I've got to go to Rob and get him to commit to something that I want to do, I want to be buttoned up. I got to do my research. I got to come prepared. And so what do we do? We stop people from doing that with a form. That's ridiculous. We then, you know, that's inbound marketing. Let's let's put the content out there, get the email, and then we're going to carpet bomb them. I have almost 30,000 unread emails. And I'm probably the worst case scenario here because I've had to declare email bankruptcy twice. I don't think you are the worst case scenario. That's the funny thing is there's there's probably worse. There's probably worse, but but hey, like is email that like why, there's whole laws now to protect people from just being carpet bombed with emails. And then, you know, the last thing we do is, is the, this is the worst is, you know, if you call me from my kid's school area code, I'm going to pick up because I'm worried. Are they, did something happen at school? Listen, when they were in school, right? And it's no, you know, it's no, I don't, they don't know why they're calling. There's nothing relevant. So I just was like, this is ridiculous. And furthermore, I'm the CMO of this company that has these amazing insights at my fingertips. I don't have to do this. I could try to do it another way. And so I launched this project uh, with the team and we called it Project Bold Moves. And we said our values and what we're going to strive to do. Now, we're not perfect because people, they'll hear this podcast and they'll find some form from like 10 years ago or five years ago. And I'll be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, there's all these orphan stuff out there. But anyway, so our our um, we strive and, and our values are to build a process that really puts prospects who are future customers as the North Star. And we really want uh, no forms, no spam and no cold calls. And so we kind of said, OK, let's this is we're going to do this and we're going to prove that it works because no one's going to do it unless someone proves that it works first. And that was the mission that we set out to do. And along the way, we picked up customers who joined, joined the movement with us, which is fun. And then I thought, gosh, rather than just write random clickbait blogs, which again, isn't part of our values, why don't our, our whole strategy should be let's document how this is going and what's worked and the templates that we've used. And so that's, that's what the book is, is it, it's literally the playbook for if you want to put customers at the center and have your values be no form, no spam, no cold calls, this is how you do it. Well, I, I think that like with each, the, the crazy thing about technology and, and not just like Mart, like the MarTech stack, but just all of the tools that were available to us was so much about like getting information from the person to figure out who these people were. And then now that's marked by this new change, which is like 
we know who you are. <laughs> like, we don't need to go find, like we have data enrichment tools. We have all this stuff. We don't need you to fill out 30 things on a form. Exactly. We don't need to constantly pester you with annoying things. We don't need, I mean, we, we rag on SDRs a lot of time with like, with heavy hearts and a lot of love for our SDR friends. But like, I don't care if you want 15 minutes of my time. Like, I don't want to give you 15 minutes of my time. So like your resistance is futile, but that is kind of the state that we're in is because like those methods won the two thousands or the the first decade and continue to win today. Therefore, you know, people say it works. Are they winning because we're growing? so hard. So this is my, this is the other point I get passionate about. We're grinding so hard. We're sending more emails. We're writing more content. I'm exhausted. We're pushing this boulder up this hill and all of it is going into this huge dark funnel, which that's all the anonymous activity. It's all lost in there across these 10 different buyers. And so we put more effort and more effort into this dark funnel to hope that some MQLs pop out. And I, again, I said, I'm a recovering software salesperson. MQLs don't get you to club. They don't buy nice shoes. They're not really worth anything. And so you take that away and you say, guess what? You don't need to care about an MQL. You need to care about experience. You need to care about the right accounts, not every account. It's a quality game, not a quantity game. And you help them light the dark funnel so they can see the insights that they need to be able to start to design experiences so their BDRs can add value, not 15 minutes of your time. But hey, Ian, I saw you were researching predictive analytics. Here's an awesome article on it. Let me know. All of a sudden, then you're an advisor and you're adding value and you're supporting that persona and that account with their buying process, with the jobs that they need to do. And that's like, I don't know, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think ultimately, I think that what is in the back of our mind is always, well, our product is really going to help this person. So it's in their best interest for us to, you know, get 15 minutes of their time to see if they're a fit to get, you know, to move them in to this whole, you know, the funnel. But at the end of the day, like all of those things are predicated on us qualifying them and not the new reality, which is like, we already know exactly who you are and like whether or not you're a fit for what we're doing. The question is like, how do we get in front of them in a way that um, makes them realize the kind of demand gen piece of like makes them realize that this is what we do, why we do it and how it helps people like them to achieve this kind of end state. And I think that like, all of these tactics and tricks to just like figure out more about people. And obviously this is, we're talking B2B for a lot of this, but all of those like tactics and tricks to get more and more and more. And it's really just a lot of wasting time and it's a lot of wasting their time. And like all of that stuff has a very degrading effect on their customer experience. And it leads you to the point where it's like, this isn't really, this is not helpful. It's actually doing the opposite and it makes our company seem needy and annoying. Yeah. So one of the chapters, actually the last chapter, there's there's only five chapters because they made fun of me and said that my chapters were more like parts. They're, they're each their own little mini novel. But the last part is about roles and what this means to 
different functional areas. And one of the functional areas I talk about specifically is demand generation. Because what we found is if you adopt this approach and you have shed a light on your dark funnel, you're really not demand generating anything. The demand is there. You see the demand. It's actually about capturing demand and engaging demand, which I know seems um, sort of like chief marketing officer versus chief market officer. You could blow it off as tomato, tomato, but it really is a different mindset of, of okay, these this is the demand. How do we now go and capture it? And that's what you're setting up for, not sort of this blanket demand generation. That was a pretty big aha for us as we saw, wow, we're We've got hundreds of accounts that already are in market, but we're spending time sending direct mail to people that are under a rock. This makes no sense, you know? Yep. What was the conversation like when you decided, I'm not going to track MQLs anymore? I have a little bit of an advantage. And, and, so, and this is why. My last company, I told you I was in sales. And so I just poured it over into marketing and I didn't understand why we were tracking them to begin with. So I just was like, whatever, I, we're not doing that. We're just doing pipeline. And, you know, we can have leading indicators that help us assess where we think we'll be for pipeline, but pipeline is the ultimate bar. And then I want to develop this revenue operating model. And so I was lucky in that you know, I was already very much in the flow with sales ops. And so we just sort of worked together on generating this revenue operating model that we use. And we have a process called finding the red, which is if you know, you know, all of your assumptions and you understand all of the assumptions in the revenue plan, and you're consistently tracking those, you know, exactly what's red, yellow, green. And my job as a as a leader is to say, oh, wow, this is where we're red. I'm going to go fix that. And it, it might, it may or may not be related to top of funnel. It could be, you know, on um, upsell, right? It could be anywhere across that revenue operating model. So that's kind of the approach I've always taken, you know, in coming to Sixth Sense, I brought some of the team that I had worked for before, worked with before. So we just set the same thing up. So that's how we sort of report and measure and prioritize what campaigns we need to work on and what we need to do. And then when it comes to how we work and what we work, which I think is another purpose of the MQL is to prioritize, you know, what accounts get worked. Again, I don't think a lead is a great measure of that. And so because we have six cents, what we can do is we put together account fit, behavior, the persona, and then in market. So we ha actually have a score that says, is this account in market or not? And so, and we call that a six QA. And so for me, in market is the new inbound. Again, going from demand generation to not generating anything and just capturing, I've uncovered my dark funnel. I know the accounts in market. Those are the ones I'm gonna go pro proactively go after. And so we timestamp when accounts come in market, and that's what, how we prioritize our body of work. And of course, I have a capacity model for, you know, this many um, accounts in market per month. We think we'll yield this. We think we'll yield that. The difference is 
it's back tested and it's AI and it's just math. It's not me giving someone points for this, that, or the other. Um, and that takes a lot of the like BS out of it, right? It's me um, and Mark who runs sales, who's awesome, and Ernie who runs our BDRs, just looking at what what's what's out there and how we do a better job of capturing demand. So when when you talk to your peers and you say, "Yeah, we don't do this," and you kind of like explain that, or even when you talk about you know being chief market officer, do you ever hear folks say, "Okay, yeah, that's great," but like my CRO would never put up with that. Or like my CEO would be like, yeah, get out of here. Like, do you, what's the pushback that you hear about, about those uh, positioning marketing in that way? Yeah, it's interesting. So we went on this road show pre, you know, pre COVID obviously. And I was hitting all these cities and everyone's like, hell yeah, this makes so much sense. It's awesome. And then there's the kind of heavy side, but, 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 and, and I, you know, I understand that. And, um, I love this quote by Margaret Thatcher. She says, uh, being in charge is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. And so I I typically try not to like tell people what I'm going to do. (laughs) I just sort of start doing it and proving that it works. And then one day it's like, yeah, we used to track MQLs, but we're not really doing that anymore. And here's why. And I back tested and, you know, found that 90% of our revenue comes from, you know, this group of a, this, this, this algorithm. And if we follow that, then we're going to have this much more uh, revenue. And I think that's what we should do. And people will be like, okay, you know, you can't just bash on something and say, you're not going to do something without providing a better way. But, you know, if you run a cohort analysis, which is a kind of a good thing to do, which is to say, let's look at just the MQLs that we've worked and what we've generated versus the end market. Time and time again, you see, oh, that's interesting. The end market average deal size is three times as big. The time to close is, you know, 30% faster. Like the win rates are better. It's like a no brainer. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think that... Um... The way that I think the old the old way has so much kind of legacy for a lot of marketing leaders that are trying to, you know, convince their leadership team that whether it's, you know, ABM or or just like, you know, rethinking account engagement that like losing the MQL is uh, is a scary thing. So I was curious if you ever had what's the best practice of, of trying to convince your leadership team of switching the mindset? Yeah, I think the cohort analysis is like you know, the data kind of speaks for itself. And it's not like you have to turn it, like if it's, if you've got the model, so you can still have it running. And, but I will say, I, I, it kind of comes back to that chief market officer, like, and how you show up. If you're the person who shows up talking about MQLs, which are interesting, I mean, they, they could be a relevant data point, but in M, an MQL, you've won nothing. You haven't booked a dollar. You haven't, you know, nothing has really happened. You can come talking about that, or you can come talking about, this is our revenue operating model. This is where I think we're broken. And so, uh, you know, based on the data and blah, 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 and here's my plan to fix it. I don't know. I'd rather talk to that person personally. Do you have any campaigns that you're particularly proud of or fond of over the years? Always. I've got ones I'm proud of and ones that were turds, you know? 
And it's funny, I go through three. So I, I have three types of campaigns, tier one, which is our like the lightning strikes in the Jennifer Johnson play bigger land blends, tier twos, which are very like market driven quarterly. And then I kind of have our always on. I think our always on campaigns are really interesting because what we do is we look at the data surfaces for the account, what the top keyword is that they're researching. And so we've designed all of our ads, content, bots, BDR cadences to dynamically adjust based on the account's top keyword. So how that plays out is if you, you know, if you, your top keyword is CDP in your early stage based on the AI, you're going to get ads that just, we just want you to know us, right? We just want you to be aware of our brand. So we're going to show you thought leadership. We're going to probably tee up our talking sense, talking sense about CDPs. Then as you move in your journey, um, again, we're going to want you to learn from us. So we're probably going to have making sense of CDPs, which is another video series. And that's what we're going to be serving you. If you come to our website, you're going to get a content hub that dynamically adjusts to the keywords you're most interested in. And the bot is going to say, hey, I see you're really interested in this, figuring this CDP thing out. Can I show you a demo? Can I help you along the way? Here's some other content you'd like. Here's a case study. And the BDR cadences are all going to match that. And it's really been so incredible to see the reaction that we get from people positively. I mean, most, you know, at the end of most quarters, you get complaints about BDRs or this or that. We get thank you notes about our process and how much they learned and how much they loved engaging with us. And um, so that's probably what I'm most proud of is setting setting that whole end-to-end flow up to be very, very focused on taking our cues from, again, the customer and what they care about and how we can add value. Okay, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. They've been with us since the beginning of this show, and we love them. So go check them out if you haven't already. Salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm Ian. Yeah. Totes. Okay, Lightning. Number one. <laughs> yes. What app on your phone is the most fun? The most fun... Spotify. (laughs) If you were not in marketing as a CMO, what would you be doing? Hanging out with my kids. (laughs) Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Been writing so much. I haven't been listening or reading. I love historical fiction. So there's this book, Pope Joan, that's amazing. I also into spy stuff. Um, So any type of spy stuff I'm into. What is your hidden talent or passion? Throwing parties. I am awesome at throwing parties. Oh, man. Well, uh, it works well for my job. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it is, that is my thing. Marketing trends party, here we come. <laughs> um, what have you picked up? What like habit or, or anything like that that have you picked up in during the shelter in place? So sitting is the new smoking. Uh, So I figured that out. 
And I had to totally change my game up. And now I try to do my one-on-ones walking, even if I'm just pacing around my office. I got a standing desk. Like I just found I was sitting way too much. What's your best advice for a first-time CMO? Be bold. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Gladney, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you stopping by. I mean, we barely, barely got into the, just the surface of all the cool stuff about account engagement. So we'll have to have you back. Ian, awesome. I'd love to come back. Thanks for the show. Thanks for doing this. Sure. We'll talk soon. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.